Well, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119. We know January 1st, uh, millions of people make New Year's resolutions. Uh, some of you are probably some of those. Most of those resolutions aren't kept very long, but uh, we almost always just almost have to make some resolutions. Uh, the most popular resolutions, as I looked it up on the internet, is that uh, we're going to exercise more this year. Uh, unbelievable number of people will join health clubs tomorrow uh, that uh, will go twice and never come back. Uh, but they continue to pay their dues for the rest of the year. That's the, 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 the health clubs are counting on that, by the way, that you continue to do that. Uh, the second one is to lose weight. That's probably the common one for most people. Uh, I, I've, I've read that uh, during the holidays from Thanksgiving to yesterday that the average person gains eight pounds. Now, I don't believe that because I just don't think you're all that fatter than you were last week. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was on the internet, I googled it, so it has to be true. So, uh, but anyway, most of us are desiring to lose a little weight. Uh, number three is to get organized, that's a fat chance of that, right? Number four, uh, uh, number six actually is to, to spend less money and save more. And number ten is to read more. Uh, someone asked me recently, on, with my observation and talking to different people, what is the best health uh, uh, weight loss program that I know of? And I said, well, whatever one that works for you is the best. All of them work. It, its problem is staying on them. And it, what has to happen for us to, to keep weight off is for us to change our lifestyle and adjust the way we think and our eating patterns. And what is needed for any lasting change is the exact same thing. Uh, whether it's weight loss, whether it's uh, getting organized or anything else, uh, a lifestyle change is necessary if we want to make true changes, not simply resolutions. As Christians, our priorities are different than the world's. Uh, we might want some of the things I just mentioned, but we also, uh, at, at the top of our resolutions, are often certain things concerning Christian disciplines and things we'd like to do better in, in order to know the Lord better and serve Him better. And so untold numbers of people... Uh, will make resolutions concerning uh, doing things differently so that they grow in Christ in this year. So what are some of the resolutions that Christians make and should make that are often short-lived and how can we maybe make a, an adjustment for that? So I want to talk about some of those today. I want to go to the basics. I want to look at some of the basic things you need and I need to grow in Christ and be what He wants us to be. I'm not using one of my ecclesiastical, Ecclesiastes sermons today. I figured you were too tired to, to think that hard. Uh, you've been through a hard stretch here. You stayed up too late last night. Some of you, some of you older people probably went to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock, and you're, you're simply exhausted today. So I didn't think your minds would be strong enough today to go through Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to give you a much simpler message, but I trust a helpful one as we look at some of the basics, some of the, of the things that you and I should be involved in in spiritual disciplines to grow in Him. And we're going to, this is not going to be anything particularly new. You know these things, hopefully add a wrinkle or two, but I just want to remind you as we go into the new year. First of all, reading scripture, reading the Bible will be on our resolution list, doing a better job at that. Psalm 119, look at verse 9 with me. These are familiar verses. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word, 
Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Go over to 105. These are some of the more familiar verses in the psalm. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the value of the word of God we all know about. That's a no-brainer. We all believe that. We all uh, we talk about it. We all know the word of God is necessary for spiritual development and growth. And we want to do that, but often we fail. Uh, the, uh, I think many, many Christians have great intentions, but they don't do well here, and they fail. And so when they do, they feel guilty. And then they vow to do better, and they do for a few days, and then they go right back to it, and then they feel guilty again. Guilt is not a good motivator. It, it really doesn't keep us going very well. Uh, and yet, uh, that's how many Christians tend to live. Uh, if the Bible has not been a, a part of your routine, your everyday lifestyle, then let's talk about how we can do that. If you want, want to make a New Year's resolution like a lot of you may have done, I'm going to read more of the Bible this year. I'm going to have regular times with the Lord in Scripture. What can we do to help you with that? What are some practical ideas? And again, this is nothing new. I've talked about these things for over the years. Uh, but uh, here, here we are. First of all, find a plan that fits for you and that works for you. Find a plan. Um, what plan is best? There's dozens and even hundreds of plans out there. You can find them on the internet. You can find them through various ministries. You can find them at the back of your Bibles. Uh, you can get them almost anywhere. There's dozens of plans. Which is the best plan uh, for you? And again, I would say the one that works for you. The one you like. The one that, that you can actually use. Don't be too aggressive to start either. I think an awful lot of Christians say, well, it's January 1, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I, and, and the first day out, you read for a whole hour. And day two, it's 30 minutes. And by, by the end of the week, you just can't keep it up. Don't be so aggressive. Start read small and work your way up if you can. A number of people in the church and other places are using our wonderful day in the Lord broadcast a five-minute broadcast every uh, five days a week. They, they, they listen to that, then they do their own study. That might be a good way to, to organize that. Don't be overly aggressive, but make some time to meet with the Lord in the Word. Uh, make, make your plan as simple as possible. Uh, and I, Again, I, I, this is, by the way, today is uh, October 1 was our, my 47th year on staff at the church here. And today, this day, is my 43rd year as a senior pastor. And I've been saying this same stuff for 47 years. So some of you may have heard it before, right? Okay, maybe three or four of you may even remember it. So, so but remember it today, I hope, and, and do something about that. But look, get your Bible, get the Bible you want to read from, and a notepad, and your pens and pencils or whatever, and put them in the same place and keep them there. You know, if you've got 15 minutes to read the Bible and you've got 10 minutes looking for it, uh, that's not going to help the cause very much. Get your Bibles and all the materials you want to use and put it in one place and keep it there so it's ready to go when you're ready to go. Find a convenient location to read the Word away from people, away from your iPhone. Could you actually set your iPhone aside for 15 minutes and turn it off or whatever? Uh, you've got to be free from those distractions. Try to come to the Word at the same time every day. You know, you'll probably do better if you say, I'm going to do this every day, than if you say, I'll do it three times a week. Because you get a pattern every day. Now, most people probably do better in the morning. I know a few people that, that would rather read their Bibles and stuff at night, 
but those are rare people and and if that works for you that's wonderful if lunch break works for you that's wonderful but find a time that works for you most of the time in the morning before your day starts out and spend that time with the Lord a few minutes build on that if you can start by reading through a book of the Bible that interests you don't start with Leviticus that's not going to be your best choice vary your reading patterns switch up your genre right now personally I'm reading in Colossians and Deuteronomy two very different books uh, I want to read Colossians it's New Testament one of the great epistles and I'm studying that but I'm also reading Deuteronomy because I, I want to know the Old Testament background and the backdrop and the Old Testament is very important for us to, to understand that so having both going on is very helpful to me but whatever works for you now here's a here's a shot you may not have heard of too often don't worry if you have to have a commentary to help you if, if you reading the Bible on your own is difficult and you're not getting that much out of it there's nothing wrong with adding some other books to help uh, I suggest reading the Wearsby B series as a help also uh, J Vernon McGee material and if J Vernon McGee ever dies we're in trouble you know because that but don't, we got we got these in our library borrow them take them home read these so read a, a, a passage of scripture look at what they have to say if that helps you great don't feel bad about that because a lot of people are in the same boat as that look at the stokay too one of the most enjoyable times I ever had uh, in studying the Psalms was a couple three years ago when I read a, the three volume series by Alan Ross through the Psalms it's a three it's we're talking about we're talking about 2,000 pages and so I would read a chapter read his material and I'll tell you what I was never so blessed in my life in my time about reading the Bible because he added insights I didn't have if you want to do that get good commentaries check with me and others who are, who are reading things and see what they might recommend there's nothing wrong with that folks get into the word let the word change your life before I move on to prayer I just want to mention Romans 12 1 and 2 we read the, mention that all the time uh, your mind as it's changed by the Word of God changes how you live uh, you're, trans, you're transformed by the Word of God and so that is a, the necessity for the Word Now, here's a second discipline we need is that is prayer uh, I'm not going to you don't even have to turn there you can if you want to but in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 is one of the most convicting verses in all of scripture in the Greek it's only two words in the English is three pray without ceasing and we scratch our heads what does that mean and it convicts us as we think about our own prayer life sometimes everybody I'll come back to it in a minute what that means but everybody believes in the importance of prayer and everybody prays some but almost nobody is happy with their prayer life I, I would guess if I ask how many of you are truly happy with your prayer life very few hands would go up we can always pray more we can always pray better we can always pray longer and we're never totally satisfied with our prayer life so we're set up for a guilt trip again when it comes to prayer and there are many roadblocks to having a decent prayer life let me mention a few of those number one is self-sufficiency uh, go, go to Psalm 119 again look at verse 67 Elodie's song this morning was absolutely in line with this perfect with what I want to say here about self-sufficiency in this psalm that deals with 
scripture. It says in verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 71, It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Verse 75, And that in faith, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. When do we pray the most? When we really recognize we need God. When our backs are against the wall, when we're having real difficulties in our life, when we have health issues, family issues, uh, financial issues, whatever it might be, our backs are against the wall, we're desperate, we don't know where to turn, that's when we pray the most. And this psalm speaks of that. The Lord sometimes takes us into the crucible of trials and difficulties for the very purpose of taking us to himself and showing us our need for him and that we are not self-sufficient, that we need him desperately. Prayer in and of itself is a recognition that there are many things we could do and should do, but only God can do the most important things. I should take care of my health but only God can give me good health. I, I should provide for my, the financial needs of my family and, and be able to give generously to the Lord's work, but only God can ensure that that can happen. I should, as a pastor, study hard and work hard to prepare messages that I trust challenge your life. I can preach them with all my heart and with all my passion, but unless God penetrates your heart with His Word, nothing really takes place. I can have a great sermon that absolutely does nothing of value in the lives. God has to do that. You and I can tell other people about Jesus Christ, but unless the Lord moves the heart and opens the heart to truth, then no, nobody is ever saved. He must make that move into the hearts of people. Uh, Self-sufficiency is a roadblock to prayer because here's what we do. We say, Lord, here, here's, our, here's our motto, I've got this. I, I, I don't need you right now. When I, when I get into a pinch, I'll call you aboard here. But in the meanwhile, I'm going to handle this myself. And the prayer, our prayers tell us and tell, inform us of our great need for the Lord. Here's a second roadblock to prayer, and that's distractions. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be real open with you right now. Some of you are going to like this. Some of you are going to identify. When it comes to prayer, I'm like a dog in the woods. Okay, we, I used to take my dog walking in the woods, uh, and uh, I let the dog off the chain, and you know what happened to the dog? It ran all over that woods, chasing squirrels and smelling different things like that. I might take one mile to walk through the woods, it took five miles. And that's because it walked back and forth and ran all over the place. Now if the dog was smarter, he would stay at my side and have one mile of the trip, not five, but what self-respecting dog would do that, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of like that dog when it comes to, to prayer. I start out focused on the, the greatest majesty of the Lord. I've just studied the Bible. My heart is fixed, and I begin to pray. And before long, my, I'm, I'm still here physically, but my mind is off somewhere fishing. Or I'm walking in a woods somewhere, or, or I'm preparing a sermon somewhere, or I'm on vacation. I, my mind is wandering around. Is yours like that? If so, welcome to the club. I think most people are like that. How can we help ourselves with that? Well, as I've said before, pray out loud, if at all possible. That helps focus your thinking. Use your, the prayer sheet we give you each week, or another prayer sheet 
of different things to pray for. Find a quiet spot away from other people where you can have a few minutes alone with the Lord without distractions. I always take a notepad with me and jot down any of those wandering thoughts that come along. Jot those down so I can return them later without too, going too far astray. Those are some of the things that can help you with your prayer life. Here's another roadblock, and that is waiting to pray when you have plenty of time. Okay? When, a, when an extended, if, it's very important that we occasionally have extended per, periods of time to pray. But if we're going to wait until we have this big swatch of time to pray, many of us will never get around to it. Now let me again encourage you. Most of the prayers in the Bible were, could be prayed in less than a minute. There's a few of the Psalms that are longer, but even many of them are one or two minutes minute long at their prayers. The greatest prayer ever prayed, folks, ever prayed, is John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. I timed it this week. I, had, I put it on my app, had somebody read it to me. I timed it three minutes or so. At a slow pace is the greatest prayer that was ever prayed. Longevity is not the goal. Praying from our hearts could be, is. Think of Jesus' prayer and the value of that prayer in three minutes. If you and I could pray like that, we wouldn't have much problem, I don't think, with our prayer life. And so go to the Lord in prayer and pray as we can. Now, Spurgeon said something years ago. It's one of my favorite quotes for Charles Spurgeon that I don't think I have ever given you before over all these years, but I've thought about it personally hundreds of times. I think he nailed down 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when it says, pray without ceasing. And here is what he said, and I've used it in my own life many times. He said this, I never pray more than five minutes at a time, but I never go five minutes without praying. Now that's something worth considering. This is a man God greatly used, and yet he didn't necessarily spend huge portions of time in praying. I'm sure he did on occasion. But he spent a life where he was in prayer with his heart consistently and constantly. That's a good thing to consider. When you say, well, man, I don't have the time to spend 30 minutes in prayer. And, and I just read a book by, about John Wesley where he, he prayed for four hours every morning. First of all, I don't believe that. And uh, I think there should be an asterisk beside that somewhere. A lot of that prayer life, he was on the back of a horse. You know, he had long trips to make. So if you want to ride your horse for four hours, maybe you can pray. To, if I was on a horse for four hours, uh, believe me, I'd be praying for days <laughs> after that. Because I did that once. I didn't walk well for, for about a week. But, uh, I, you know, don't, don't, go, don't get guilt-tripped by those kinds of things. Be in prayer as God gives you opportunity. Keep your mind always in a spirit and an attitude of prayer. And follow what Spurgeon, I think, had to say. Here's another discipline that's very important. That's your church life. Many Christians, and their numbers are expanding rapidly, claim they love Jesus and are spiritual, but they see church as totally unnecessary and expendable. They love Jesus, but they really can't handle people very well. But they miss the whole point of the church. God so designed his church so that we learn to love other people that may not be exactly like us. 
He put, he put local bodies together filled with people of all kinds of personalities and backgrounds and educations and social status and the whole works to come into a body of Christ to serve and live with one another as a body of Christ. The parachurch organizations pretty much blossomed after World War II. And what, what they learned in these parachurch organizations is that if they gathered people who were very much like one another, that for at least for a time it seemed to be very workable. And so they began ministries for children and ministries for teenagers and ministries for college campuses and ministries for women and ministries for men and ministries for anything you can think of as long as they had a common bond around something. One group I talked to recently are wrapped around motorcycles. So they have a motorcycle club that, that uh, they wrap around. Now folks, those might have limited value, but you notice God didn't put the church together like that. God put the church together with people of all kinds of of stripes and interests and levels and, and so forth. That is how God expects the church to be and how he expects the church to go, grow. And that's why he puts the body of Christ together like, like this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 very quickly. The New Testament is just filled with the importance of the local church. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. He says, Now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries, but in the same Lord. There's varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. The Bible leaves no question about the need to be in the part, of, part of the church, part of the local body of Christ. Did you know there's 59 one another's in the New Testament? Where it tells us to do this or that with or for one another. 59 of them. And most of them you could not do outside of the local body of Christ the one and others. I got an email recently from a man I don't know. Uh, he wrote me, he said, I want to talk uh, to you, discuss with you the new covenant theology. And I wrote him back, said, well, I don't know you, who are you? And he said, well, I'm such and such. I, I'm uh, 69 years old. I've come to your church on, once or twice before. I'm not going to any church right now. And I want to talk to you about this theology. So, okay, I said, all right, we could, we could do that. So we, we set a time. But he sent me another email, and I began to realize what he's trying to do, which has happened many times. He wasn't interested in understanding the, this theology. He didn't, wasn't interested in what I knew about it. He was interested in, in trying to take me to his side, to convince me of his theology. And when I, when, I, when I came together in my mind, I wrote him back and said, you know what, if you're going to try to change my position, we might as well call this off, because that's not going to happen. I've studied that theology. It's not going to happen. And we're just wasting each other's time. And so he graciously wrote back and said, you're right. So apparently that's what he's planned to do. And he's going to talk for two hours and I was going to listen. Well, that's wasn't going to happen either. And so he graciously said, that's fine. But he wrote one more email. He said, I don't think I'll ever find a church I can go to around here because I'm never going to go to any church that has anything to do with Christmas. And uh, so I wrote him back and said, okay, I understand your position. I can respect your conviction on that. Uh, but you know what? For that conviction, you are denying and disobeying the direct commands of God to be part of a local church. I encourage you to read the New Testament. You won't have too much to talk about about Christmas, but you'll find everywhere, all throughout, the need of the local church. And so you, you're in defilement of the Word of God for your conviction. I hope he's not here this morning. Or actually, maybe I hope he is here this morning. And he comes down and pounds me in the head later. I don't know. But the whole point is this. Your conviction overrules the word of God? I think that's happened before, hasn't it? 
to the Pharisees and Jesus? Um, the point is, the word of God makes it clear our need for one another. So as you enter 2023, I want to encourage you, perhaps may or maybe you did, maybe you weren't that involved in the church, but let me, let me encourage you that if you need to rework your schedule in 2023 so that you can be involved with the, with the work of the Lord here at the church or whatever church you may be coming from today. Uh, try not to uh, view Sunday as a day of work or travel or kids sports or any of that kind of thing if you, unless you absolutely have to. Uh, get involved in the, in the church ministries. Don't just come and sit on the sidelines. That'll never really do much for you or anybody else. Come and get involved with the challenges and the opportunities that we, that we afford you here. Devote yourself to caring for one another in the body of Christ. Re- reaching out to those in need and telling others about the Lord Jesus. Live streaming is a wonderful invention. It's really served us well the last few years. I love it. But it isn't the same thing for you to sit on your couch in your jammies and watch the service. And unless you're sick or you're out of town, and if you're out of town, I don't know what you're doing in your jammies, but it, it's not going to do you much good to be involved in the local church sitting at home on your couch. You need to be part of the physical body of Christ. Spend your time and your money and your talents uh, in serving the Lord Jesus through the body of Christ, the local church. And so those are some of the disciplines, I believe. These are foundational. These are basic. Without these, you do not grow in Christ. You will not grow in Christ. It is, it is impossible, in my opinion, without the Word of God, without prayer, without involvement in the body of Christ, for you to grow in the Lord Jesus. So I hope your resolution this year is, I want to grow in Jesus Christ. I want to be more and more what He saved me to be. And I want, I'm going to organize and plan my life around the basic disciplines that he's given me to do these things so that I can be what he wants me to be and serve him in a greater way in the next year. Well, I have a whole lot more sermon to give, but we're out of time, so uh, we'll do that next year, 2025. (laughs) I know that's not right.